Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you're joining us for our recap and discussion of Tiamat's Wrath, book eight in The Expanse by James S.A. Corey. I mentioned in the Monday episode that I thought the first part of this book was a little lackluster. There were definitely some interesting developments and revelation, especially with regard to the protomolecule tech and the alien races and stuff, uh, that the neutron star and everything. That was all very interesting. Uh, I felt like the the first half of it, the LV chapters were really interesting with all of the stuff I just mentioned. And the Naomi chapters were really boring. And then in the back half though, the LV chapters got really boring and the Naomi chapters got really good, which I thought was, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, it's kind of like indicative of what we want and what we're not getting and what we are getting kind of right. Because like what we want, what I want anyway, is like, what is beyond these gates? Let's explore. Let's find out what this alien species was. They come across this ginormous like diamond star that could be the backup database for like the entire knowledge base of the, of the protomolecule um, civilization. But then they just kind of like, oh, we're doing these like experiments that are super dumb and not well thought out. And then Naomi's just like not exploring and just sitting there like basically questioning their entire like is this fight even winnable just kind of having this introspection with like alex and somewhat bobby though bobby's always kind of actively trying to be like let's kill stuff like which is great here for bobby for sure and naomi's just kind of in and out of like shipping crates and like arguing with other crew of other ships and it's very confusing to keep up with her because she changes location all the time so it's like is she yeah. on a resistance ship now or is she on like a uh, station where she has to hide herself it's like hard to keep up with it or at least i found it to be in the first part of the book yeah i mean i, I felt for her you know she's in a pretty lame position here you know um but i don't know like so the first half of the book was definitely a drug a little bit for me but man that last couple hundred pages yeah. was a doozy that was a lot tad some consistency holden stays boring the whole book so i mean that's <laughs> nice right <laughs> yeah i mean holden was a, i i mean he's, he's he's a prisoner doesn't really have he's got like three of his own chapters and stuff yeah, not so very it, many and i mean he's interesting in his own way giving us like a window into the inner workings of the laconian palace right yeah i mean i liked uh, all of the teresa chapters every single one of Same. them i thought was great you know uh, her being in the position that she's in in the position that laconia is in and her father is in and everything i just really liked it um and i knew that was amos like immediately immediately uh, yeah, yeah like, totally because he called her uh what was he what did he call her like tiny or something yeah like, she, I think it was like tiny. right when it she walks into the Amos-y room thing. yeah yeah she like walks in the cave tiny. and he's like he's like hey tiny and i was like there's amos, amos. right there yeah <laughs> But let's get into the recap. We have a lot of things to dig into here. Lots and lots of different information has been uncovered for us, and we'll see if we can flesh it out for everybody listening. Let's do it. The book begins a year or so after the events concluding Persepolis Rising. Laconia has seized control and risen to power. Now fully entrenched, they are the dominating power in Earth's solar system as well as their own. James Holden is a captive on Laconia. Though he is a prisoner, he is allowed to roam the grounds of High Consul Winston Duarte's palace. Christian Avasarala, who died four months previously, is entombed on the grounds and Holden regularly pays his respects. Elvi Okoye and her husband Fayez, along with several other scientists and military personnel, have been tasked with exploring the dead worlds, seeking out ancient technology through the gates that have not been colonized, many of which contain no inhabitable worlds. 
Through one gate, they find a planet-sized green diamond, which interacts strangely with their sample of active protomolecule. They hypothesize that this could be the backup data storage of the long-dead alien civilization, potentially containing their entire base of knowledge. Before they are able to learn the truth of the ancient planet-sized artifact, they are forced by the military commander to explore the other gates. In the next gate, they arrive to find a neutron star pushed to the edge of the Tolman-Oppenheimer-Volkov limit, with no other matter in the area. The Laconian commander reveals their plan to send an antimatter-laden ship through the ring gates to attack the creatures which have been eating their ships, hoping to see if they can punish this entity and cow it into submission. In the Soul System, Naomi arrives on a station in the Outer Planets to talk with Bobby and Alex aboard their stolen Laconian gunship, Gathering Storm. Bobby and Alex embark on a mission to capture a Laconian freighter carrying supplies and a high-ranking political officer, but the officer and their spies are caught in the crossfire and are killed. Faced with overwhelming odds and the intention of a Laconian flagship, the Resistance begins to question whether their fight is winnable. In a stroke of good fortune, Bobby finds antimatter in the supplies taken from the Laconian freighter, and hatches a plan to kill the Laconian flagship. On Laconia, Teresa Duarte, the 14-year-old daughter of Winston, is told by her father that he wishes to train her to be the next High Consul. She learns that he has been working with the experimental protomolecule tech, hoping to achieve immortality. We discover that she has been sneaking away to talk with a friend she has made who lives in a nearby mountain cave whom she knows as Timothy. Fayez and Elvi attempt to reason with the Laconian military, explaining the danger in their attempts to hurt this unknown entity. They are met with little success and the experiment proceeds. The experiment causes the neutron star to collapse into a black hole and emit a gamma ray burst through the slow zone which destroys two of the ring gates. Duarte tells Teresa that they plan to send another antimatter ship through, but before the attack can be carried out, the entity responds. Everyone across the connected systems experiences lost time, where they can see the spaces between subatomic particles. Elvi and Fayaz are wounded, and several of their colleagues are killed when parts of their ship vanish. Medina Station, the Laconian Dreadnought Typhoon, and everything inside the ring space is annihilated in an instant and Duarte, augmented by the protomolecule, becomes catatonic. Bobby and Alex make the decision to ask Naomi about their plan to attack the Laconian flagship, the Tempest. Holden recognizes that something is wrong on Laconia and speaks with Paolo Cortazar, the head scientist, who secretly plans to kill Teresa rather than let her become immortal. With the death of Medina Station, Naomi travels to Aberon, one of the most prosperous ring worlds, and takes on a more direct role leading the underground resistance. Elvi lands on Laconia and is told what happened to Duarte and that her assistance is needed in running this scientific research. Holden attempts to warn Elvi and Fayaz of Cortazar's plot against Teresa. Teresa is increasingly worried over the state of her father and goes to visit Timothy, who is revealed to be Amos Burton. The Laconian security force finds the two of them and kills Amos, though when they return they cannot find his body. Elvi speaks at the Science Center, with two children who died but were reconstructed by the repair drones native to Laconia. Bobby and Alex receive Naomi's support for Bobby's plan to use the antimatter as a bomb to kill the Tempest. During the plan's execution, Alex distracts the flagship with the gathering storm while Bobby delivers the payload. Due to unforeseen complications, Bobby is forced to throw the bomb at the Tempest directly, destroying it but sacrificing herself in the process. Naomi and Alex return to the Rosinante which has been stashed on Freehold. Another lost time attack occurs, 
and Elvi thinks that such attacks are what shut down the consciousness of the protomolecule builders. She theorizes that humanity is more resilient and only loses a few minutes of time instead of total annihilation, as she believes this entity intended. She becomes ever more certain that this entity is getting closer to creating more effective methods of attack that will lead to the total destruction of human life in the universe. Knowing that Laconia is temporarily weakened with the loss of their flagship and the disappearance of Duarte, Naomi gathers her forces. 400 ships enter the Laconian system and attack. They are able to lure the last Laconian flagship away from the planet so that a small strike force can destroy the shipyards capable of making the extremely advanced protomolecule-based warships that Laconia has been using to subdue the other solar systems. Duarte, though still comatose, awakens when he is scanned and kills Cortazar. Teresa decides she needs to leave Laconia and uses Amos's evacuation beacon to call in the Rosinante, who believes they are coming to rescue Amos. She manages to escape the palace grounds, taking Holden with her, whom she plans on using as a bargaining chip. Naomi and Alex's plan succeeds, and they destroy Laconia's shipyards. They then descend to the Laconian palace, following the evacuation signal. Laconian security forces catch up with Holden and Teresa, but are killed by Amos, who appears to have been put back together by the protomolecule repair drones. The crew of the Rosinante reunite, and Teresa, as the daughter of the High Consul, talks the remaining flagship down from killing them. The book ends on board the fleeing Rosinante, with Amos telling Holden that the entity that killed the protomolecule builders now plan to kill all of humanity. Dun dun dun. Alright, so I had two favorite parts of this book that were also two of my favorite parts in the whole series. I think you can guess Ooh. one of them, but I don't know if you can guess the other one. So uh, one of them obviously was Bobby going full Valkyrie. The, mo the moment that I realized what exactly was going to happen there, because like her co-pilot or other officer, I feel bad for not remembering the other officer's name because she died bravely. But I love how Bobby just like threw her body to the side too, because she was just in full like soldier mode. So she sees this antimatter bomb basically, and she's like, okay, so it didn't explode because I would be dead, but I don't right. think this thing's going to work exactly. And then the communique between like her and Alex, the way that Alex was just like, I'm going to do whatever you need to do. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like it's like Alex knew before me. And then I like how the next chapter kind of, it kind of like, reverts back a little bit in time and just shows Alex's thought process through that whole process too. But Bobby went out in the perfect way for Bobby to go out. Like yes. She didn't go out old in a hospital or anything. Not that that's a bad way to go out or anything, but not for Bobby. But not for Bobby. That's, that's not how to, Bobby goes. She's the Valkyrie yeah. warrior. She needs to go to Valhalla and die with a sword in her yeah. arms for and, sure. And it's, it's interesting too, because there, there's a really key conversation at the beginning of this book where Naomi's talking with alex and bobby it's a really emotional conversation because like you know they're all stressed out obviously they're always stressed out <laughs> they're like and, losing hard yeah and and naomi basically says you know i'm not going to quote here but naomi basically says is there any we need to try to figure out how to do this with without constantly fighting everybody and right and, you know we, or, we gotta can we or are we just fighting a losing we? battle yeah. and just wasting lives basically yeah exactly and bobby was basically just like we have to do this this way like i hear you but we have to do this in a violent way like this has to be violent revolution we have to lead it um or violent rebellion i should say right um and if we've gone too and, far peace it's interesting cannot. because and that's how bobby went out too like bobby yeah. 
felt that that was what she needed to do. It's like she knew the whole time, you know, and what Bobby did really the put, ultimate follow through. And it was it was a, it worked. I mean, it, it, it did. It crippled the the whole like Laconian. I mean, it's, it's such an important ship. And I mean, it enabled them to go in and destroy the shipyards that could create more of those ships. So it basically like gave them the edge that they needed, the resistance needed to not only get an edge immediately, but to use that edge to then cripple the Laconian forces from being able to ever gain back their edge. Really? Okay, so tell me what your other favorite part was. Oh, uh, it was Teresa at the very end of the book when they're flying away uh, with with Holden and Naomi and Alex and Amos and everyone. And then the, the Laconians kind of, you know, catch up to them and they're like, you have to land, Excuse you me. have to come back. Like, <laughs> and then she says, do you know who I am, Admiral? And yes, I'm the High Consul's daughter and heir. You understand now? Good. I am on the Rocinante at my father's request. Your threat is ridiculous, and your orders are to return immediately to your assigned mission, protecting the homeworld. And then a few other things uh, happen, and then she says, <laughs> is there a protocol? A security pro protocol? I'm sorry. If I am in distress, being held against my will, threatened, whatever, is there a phrase I use to indicate that? Something innocuous I can slip into any conversation without my captors knowing it. Uh, that is, it's a yes or no question, Admiral. <laughs> this, this isn't hard. <laughs> there this is, is from like, what, a 15-year-old? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. and, and have I said it? You haven't. <laughs> then we can take it as a given that I am not here under duress, that something is going on between the High Consul and the leadership of the Underground, something with which I have been entrusted and you haven't. With that in mind, go back to your post. I love that so much. What a I, boss. Oh, it was just so, like, Teresa's kind of about to bubble over for this entire book. And yes. and it's it, she's in such a unique position because she's in such a place of, um, like, she's in a comfort zone. It's a very small, contained comfort zone, but she's been, in it, she's been in it her whole life. And a lot of things have to happen for her to get out of that comfort zone, for her to realize that she needs to leave. And I love that minutes after she's made the, the decision, the difficult decision to leave, uh, I mean, probably super difficult because everything was kind of going to hell, but it was still would have I mean, been still, hard. Leaving yeah, everything yeah, she exactly. knows, comfort. I just love that James S.A. Corey had her double down like that. I, yes. I really like that a lot. It was just and, like, I hope that, seize control of her destiny. Yeah, I just I really hope we see more of Teresa because um, for for me personally, the stuff going on with Teresa and uh, Timothy or uh, Amos, Amos and and Holden, um, that was kind of the highlight of the book for me. I mean, I really like the Bobby and Alex stuff. But um, it was definitely, I don't know, I just felt kind of morose, like reading the Bobby and, M M and Alex stuff. Oh, it's because, very morose. Yeah, because like, there's like a couple points where Bobby's just kind of like, you can just quit, we'll drop you off somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. And it, to, and it just, to Alex. Yeah, to Alex. And it just, it just felt a little bit like harsh, you know? Oh, totally. And, like, and everyone's and I getting old and rusty. Yeah. And I understand why Bobby had that mentality, because like we just said a little earlier, I mean, she is full soldier mode for this right. you know it just felt a little harsh because like alex i don't know i feel like she just knows alex better than that you know and it just felt like she wasn't giving alex enough credit you know and i think that it, for bobby what she was trying to do was give alex an out that that she knew would be kind of like a cordial like friendly thing to do for him but she she should have known he would never abandon oh. that post like he would abandon his kid and his wife but she did abandoned. okay so yeah uh, what I think <laughs> that she was doing was very intelligent, actually. I don't think it was being harsh. It was proper. She was telling Alex, listen, 
you have the choice to not be in this. You can get away. But if you're here, I need you to choose here, not just have like float into this position. I need you to be an active member of this resistance and realize that it may cost everything, including your life, because we have to do violence now. And so she needed him to make the decision. So she gave him an out and was like, hey, are you in it or are you out? Because I can't have you be flim flam, like Like undermining the cause, you know, because he and I really it was morose and kind of just sad, but I really did like the voice of Alex in the first half of this book, just kind of being like, you know, there's a generation about, you know, who is our resistance fighters, all of these old belters who remember what it's like to fight a battle that can not possibly be won, you know, against Earth and Mars, these old OPA members. And he's like, you know, we're that generation is quickly dying. And the next generation, they don't have the sort of resilience of being able to fight this eternal battle, and we're going to quickly lose. And so he had a very like, real and important voice to have in that group. But I'm glad that Bobby's position overcame it and was like, no, we will still go down with the ship and (laughs) we're committed to this. Are you or are you not with us, Alex? And he was like, I'm here for it. And man, I really liked the interchange between Alex and Bobby when Bobby went down. Because like you said, Alex realized what Bobby was doing before we did as readers. And he didn't question her. He just was like, I'm going to do exactly what you need me to do in order to make your sacrifice as meaningful as possible. And he did it. Yeah. And if this and if this series does anything, you know, it really drives home just how how much of a family these people are. I mean, like Alex and Bobby are like brother and sister at this point and have been for decades. And so his reaction to it just gutted me. You know, I mean, it's just like a couple different parts where he's just so shaken up and it's it it hit Alex the hardest. We all knew it would hit Alex the hardest. Did you notice there's something really interesting with the order of deaths here is that uh, Clarissa died and then Bobby died. (laughs) Yeah. So like we've got uh, like we're now back with the original crew of the Rocinante. Yes. And. It's just, I thought it, was, some and lost thought it some. was interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, interesting and also like a little eye rolly, right? Did we just like gain a bunch of characters so we could have meaningful deaths? Like, I, I've i always wanted Naomi to die or Holden or somebody big. Oh, but Holden's I mean, not going anywhere. I like, know, but or I Naomi, wish you would have. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd rather have what Holden did you think? Naomi. What did you think when Amos? Okay. So there's a chapter where uh, Teresa is in the cave. And then Amos says, uh, duck down, put your hands over your ears or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of how Teresa knows that uh, Amos is on her side, especially because Holden also said, if Amos said he was your friend, he's your friend. He's your friend, was, yeah. It's a great quote for Amos. It's totally true, 100%. I like how much she struggled with that, too. It was really important to her that yeah. Thomas or Amos was her friend. Well, I think it was Timothy, right? Or t- oh, excuse me. Yeah. It was really important to her that um, Amos or Timothy was her friend. Well, um, in that scene in the cave when the um, the kind of like forces come up and and you know kill Amos, I was like a little bit confused with it was the bad blocking. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was read maybe, it twice. Yeah, it was just weird. Like the phrasing was really weird. It was like the top came off of Timothy's head, and it was I, just I like thought that it was what? a guard. I didn't even oh, realize did really? that it was oh. Timothy until later. And I read it twice and I didn't even realize that it was, I was like, whatever happened to Timothy during that fight? And then later they're like, he's dead. And I was like, oh, well, that was his goal that came off. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, everything happened really fast and confusingly. So I want to just go over Amos real quick because uh, Amos is such a, a big yeah, deal. Yeah, I got some Amos questions too. Yeah, okay. So I've, I've got mixed feelings on it and they trend towards positive because I just love Amos so much. I so want much. him around all the time. But I did think it was just kind of like, 
oh well good thing we can totally create zombie people out of this protocol right, I mean, right, it's right. just like oh uh, uh, yeah i mean i guess so you guys like yeah of course and then they tried to like back it up they're like look we've got these two kids we've got these two kids that totally did it too like we're not right, totally right. making this up out of nowhere and it's just we like have a precedent. Uh, right. damn it uh, we have a precedent uh, uh, like, yeah i mean oh. i guess but i mean so do you think I'm... amos is amos okay so uh, I, I'm, so we're talking about zombie amos now we've got right. zombie amos let's um, go to zombie Amos. which i don't think he's a zombie um i think uh, he he's was, probably he pretty dead top of your head comes off reminded me um i think like in the dune books duncan idaho turns into a mentat um if anybody can back me up on what's that a, that's what's a mentat to... for those of us not uh <sighs> i don't want to ensconced my dune lore is like a little all over the place because it's been a while since i've read those books but essentially uh in the dune uh, lore, uh, there was this thing called the Butlerian Jihad, and what happened was they basically let AI get to a point where they had a war with AI, oh. um, or what approximated for what people thought AI was in like the 60s when Frank Herbert wrote it. It's basically a war against machines, right? And so in the far future in Dune, um, they don't have like a machine-based society. They don't have like computers and stuff. Right, right. Do Asimov have, does though, the same thing in his world. What they do have, though, is they have mentats who are people that are like super genius, like hybrid computer people thing. And I know oh, if you're a big the Dune fan, that the gates. If you're if you're a huge, uh, no, those are the guild navigators. Damn uh, it! Uh, it's, a I close. <laughs> it's a different thing. And, I, and if you if you love Dune, and I'm and I'm off of with any of this, I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've read this, and we're talking do about not the expanse, apologize. But, you just killed your Dune, bro. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm trying to say though is like later on in the Dune series, uh, one of the characters becomes a mentat and it kind of just reminded me of that when when it happened to Amos because uh, mm. he, he kind of like goes through this shift where it's like it's still him you know but it's like this thing that is far it, it's it's like far past a lot of people's understanding and so I, that's why I think like Amos is not really a zombie but I think he is just now going to be something that people don't really get aloof like, Amos right he's yeah, like even more so engines. yeah um, but yeah, I mean, that last, oh man, I'm going to remember where I was when I read the very last line of this book for a really long time, because Amos just is having this chill conversation with Captain Holden and, and Holden's just like, with his are you black still... dead eyes, <laughs> and Holden's like, uh, are you still you? And Amos is like, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, we're so, good. So, so Holden's fine with it. And he's like, all right, well, I mean, I trust you. If you say you are, then you are. And then he turns around and Amos says, Hey, uh, Cap, let me read it real quick. Yeah, yeah, get it. Because it's very It's so good profound. I need to read it correctly. Yeah, because, you know, you know when you're getting towards the end of a book and you're like, man, this is kind of a boring conversation. Like, I hope, right, what's, right. what's the very last page? Like, when is this epilogue going to end? Or like... nope, yep. <laughs> so it's one thing, though, he braced in the doorway. Amos's eerie black eyes were on him. Sure. Those things that Duarte pissed off, the ones that ate Medina, I know the ones you mean, Holden said. One of the things I know now is that they're going to kill everybody. <laughs> they were silent for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Holden said, I know that too. <laughs> yeah, I know that too. What a great line. Oh, man. They're going to kill everybody. And his stupid military commander being like, hey, let's just take some antimatter and blast it on through the gates and just feed yeah, it. Yeah, I to... wanted to ask about that. Like, Oh, what... my gosh. Why? What a ridiculous plan. Was there like a 
a good reason for that that I missed? Like, yeah, because they're trying at least to adjust. What's their justification for it? Sorry okay, so their justification again. is once we go through the, you know, they have a punishment structure on us, right? If we go through these gates with over a certain threshold of energy, we get disappeared, which we assume means taken, eaten, whatever, by this otherworldly entity on the other side of this gate dimension thing, whatever. Who knows where it is actually? And so they're like can we control this thing and do like a set up this action reaction system where if where we can punish it you know if it eats us then we can send a bomb through then and punish it and then we can start getting gaining some power over it by oh, seeing if we can they don't want to just be to pummeled by this thing they don't want to exactly. be the only ones taking hits from this right they're thing. trying to figure out how to I destroy see. it ultimately but that also to like yeah chastise it like tisk tisk but like we don't even kind of know the power that we're dealing with so it's like we're like poking a nuke well what i'm curious about is didn't naomi in the end of book six like figure out like what was making ships disappear why don't they just not do that yeah it was like, just over what... the threshold thing we don't know like the mechanism we just know like if it's over the threshold of energy why don't you just not have ships ships past that threshold well and they don't but they know that they know that that thing comes into play when it does and so well, they just don't use do that it and then it, it live and let know, live <laughs> but they're like this thing's still out there and we need to punish it and eventually it's a control threat it to our empire yes exactly but is it i don't know i mean it only seems to be a threat to their empire when we use a force that is like when we use protomolecule energy that's like way beyond us and potentially could actually threaten it so I don't know. Do you think that it's an entity or a race? What do you think is on the other side? I don't know because I go back and forth on it because some part of me feels like it's just like an animal kind of, you know what I mean? Like something that's just kind of reacting. I don't want like I, I use animal. the word animals like a weird, you, you know what I'm trying to say though. It's like, right, a, right. It's like an Inter organism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an like organism that it like, it like reacts and it doesn't have, it's not like, it doesn't consciously understand us and know what we're doing and what we are trying to do and stuff like that and trying to stand in the way of it which is the you know nail and hammer situation that laconia finds itself in now right. but i i kind of like go back and forth and on drag it because, the rest of the universe into well because if it it seems to use um it seems to use things that are very effective on us specifically so i think it might be an order of magnitude higher than just like a simple kind of reactionary organism oh definitely but i don't know though because we haven't I mean, it seen anything us. because we haven't seen anything, James. No. I say, Corey, we're in eight books in here. Okay, so I'm. I want to just understood kind of... the proto molecule. Its attacks didn't work, right? It did what it thought would kill us by stopping the time thing, but it, that didn't actually do it. So there, it's now trying to take us out. I think it's some sort of like mycelium, like hive mind, some fungus space, some space Maybe. fungus that is like now put us into the threat category. Well, I think that's what they thought the original, um, like protomolecule designers were was a sort of hive mind um, yeah and so so i think they evolved as, to that so that's why there's like a little snippet in the book where they think that the uh the the earlier race of people that uh had the protomolecule or developed the protomolecule was a hive mind and so whatever this like mysterious universe goop is doing <laughs> uh really affected them because it was a hive mind and we are a bunch of like little individual ones so like you know stopping time like that and like disrupting uh things like that for that other race would have been catastrophic because it's of, one mind right exactly so they're trying the same thing they gave it a headache us and it's not really working but it's i mean it's still effective i mean it's still ripping ships apart and still doing all this stuff but it's not destroying our entire race 
but I don't know, man. Like I, I think that's one of the things I really want answered in the next book is like, I don't what think exactly it's are we deal? No, I don't think it's malevolent. I think it's just I, reactionary, and and sees this as a threat now because we just fed it an antimatter bomb. What I'm thinking is this series will probably go out. We're we're now nine books in. We're nine um, books in. We're, wow, we're on the last. Thanks book. for sticking with us, everyone. Yeah, thank this you, is everybody. Awesome. Uh, but see, so now we're we're so far along in this. I I wouldn't be surprised if this series ended with us not really knowing what it was, but figuring Man, out a way for it to leave us alone. Us. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be pretty lame. At least give me a glimpse into what the creature on the island is. You know, like let me know. It'd be cool for Holden or Naomi or Alex or somebody, a POV character, to like actually sit and have like a like a conversation, like at the end of the Matrix Reloaded, where he's like in the room with like all those TV screens and stuff. Just something like that. You totally. know, where even it doesn't even have to make sense. Just make it like esoteric and cool. You know, I just. Whatever I mean, happened I mean, with making Detective? Sense would be cool. uh, Miller? Miller, yeah. We haven't seen no, him in a long time. Not since he was the end of Cibola Burn. Yeah. Since the end of Cibola Burn was the last time we saw him. Yeah. What if it's Miller who we get has like is the entity that represents great. this I creature? That. I think that's how it's going to end, man. We're going to have a conversation between Miller, who's now become the representative for this mycelium hive mind space fungus uh <laughs> that exists in other dimensions and decides to just leave us be and we make peace with it or something i really can't wait for the for our next episode on this series our last episode on the series where we, yeah well we'll probably do some short story novella type well, I'm, I'm not done with the expanse after <laughs> i love this series so much and it's funny because there's a lot about this that i, I kind of want to go over this with you a little bit um because there's there's a lot about how this is all ending up that has been a little disappointing for me yeah um i think so and and i don't want to speak like super like confidently about how disappointed i am like just yet because the, we're not on the, we're not finished with the last book yet but sure a couple different things so like so for me personally i don't really like where all this has ended up i don't like that yeah. we are now in uh rebels versus empire yes. i don't want to say the the s word but it rhymes with car pours and I don't like it. Barely. I don't like I it's I don't like Hardcore. it. I don't I don't like how this is kind of shaken down. I think it's interesting. I don't have like a huge problem with it. But totally. But we I even think... have like Jedi powers and like living immortal and people who are like we have people mm. like space wizards now. I don't know. I, I'm I fine. wish it would have kept more in our realm. I wish it would have gone the direction that I thought it was going to, which is us kind of like coming together and it's like we're still solving like interhuman problems right, into right. the ninth book and it's just it's just not really where i my expectations were and obviously that doesn't mean that the story is bad or anything like that but it just means that like the first couple books were very like whoop we got aliens we got vomit right. zombies and we got all kinds of crazy stuff and like this whole planet like is destroying itself and all this stuff and then it's like okay well we're gonna get back to that but real quick, for the next few books, what we're going to do is just do like this weird like takeover for, of another faction that's taking over right. like the old guard Earth and Mars coalition and stuff. And it's just like, I guess. But what about all the alien stuff? And it's like, well, no, like, wait, because they're because they're using it. They're 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 trying to f like fiddle around with it, too. But we're, right. we're just not there yet. And I don't know. I, like, I felt I, I totally am with you. I feel like the first half of this book 
this first half of the series was very much asking the question of like, will humans overcome our differences and petty squabbles so that we can face the rest of the universe and the threats that exist within it together? And I have not seen us do that. I thought that by this point in the story, we would have like gotten there. We would have decided like, let's work as a team. And now it's us versus the aliens. And I kind of thought that's what we were going to end up as. And like, it still might get there, but it's I mean, looking more like it because like yeah, Laconia, is, Laconia is like, basically very at the end. Like I, I really don't want the point of this book, like the theme that walk away, the takeaway to be like, we will never overcome our petty differences and be able to face yeah, as a unified whole. I, I hope so. I hope not. I, I doubt it. I mean, there's definitely, there, there are definitely some like pessimistic pockets of this series, but it feels, I mean, like the end of Babylon's ashes was very optimistic. And I think that maybe the yeah. end of uh, Leviathan falls will be too. I'm hoping for that. I think um, that would be a very satisfying ending for me personally, but yeah, I mean, I just think that I think we're almost at the end of this series and we're still fighting each other and it just sucks. Like it yeah. just sucks. That it, it sucks nine that, books of this. It's like the, it's it's very similar to the conflict that we were looking at in Babylon's Assage, which is very similar to the conflict we were looking at in Nemesis Games, right. which is very the, similar the, to the conflict we were looking at. And it's just been like this this powerful guy who's got you know ostensibly good intentions, but is secretly evil, and we have to take him down. You know, and right. that's like the sixth guy that's, that we've done that with. And right. So right. those those are my kind of chief complaints about the series. So interesting you when know? we had the first. Um, even the first couple by that one guy you know yeah um i know i was i was like half expecting duarte to talk to holden and be like have you ever heard of genghis khan you know who adolf hitler was you know like just by comparison it's a drop in the hat yeah i know and and i feel like he was really close to saying that you know very Um, much so i think duarte is much more interesting than marco or dresden or or whoever successful i think yeah and that's what makes him a little bit more interesting Um, but he's still the same it's like essentially the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a different fish in the same sea, you know. Yeah, but those are really my only chief complaints. Like none of my complaints come down to character. None of my complaints come down to pacing or, uh, yeah, you know, the, the world building. Awesome. The world building is excellent. I think yeah. really so many things are nailed so hard here. But yeah, I think that I think I'm just feeling a little bit fatigued with ships shooting at ships and like Dodging planning. Missiles. Yeah, and like planning out you know plans of attack so that we can like destroy yeah. this ship which will like make these shipyards inoperable take so out the, inter- the planetary like, dude, defenses i've read like, oh like i've read so many of these like exact situations in a row it's just tweaked like just like a little bit yeah uh, but i mean yeah that's just kind of like i feel like i'm kind of coming at it like, and complaining about it um from a place of love because i really do love this series so Me much too. but but um yeah, I think that <laughs> I just want some questions answered. You know what I mean? I yeah. just like I want some cool uh, revelations, and we did get some questions answered in this book, of course. Um, but but like yeah, it's, we're it's, it's the barely book. yeah, we're barely beyond in our knowledge of understanding like protomoleculeness of where we were at Eros in like book two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh, you know, when Elvie. Uh, when they're on that kind of the scouting mission and looking at all these dead worlds and stuff and they find this giant like crystal hard drive so out cool. the, uh, i was like I was that's excited. awesome let's go whatever that is i'm so, what what the hell is that and then we just kind of drop it and then it, it's kind of mentioned toward the end of the book again it's like i guess we'll read about that in the next one i guess I, uh, what right. is, but i mean and then we get the guys like scientists that were like oh my gosh <laughs> here we go again <laughs> who like creates a black hole and destroys a couple rings with 
unit with planets behind them and medina like there's now stranded yeah. civilizations yeah. on worlds yeah. who even knows how far away can we ever get to them i don't know so with all the little complaining bits i just did i will say everything that's happened makes a lot of sense because of the things that happened before it like there is a yeah. lot of there's a lot of continuity here and it's yeah it makes sense that the you know marco inaros was a puppet for a much more powerful situation we do have to deal with that you know what i mean right. i'm not expecting <laughs> the books to like drop the duarte thing to go play with aliens like i'm not <laughs> saying that that the choices that the two authors made were bad decisions based on the things that they had already written i'm saying i'm a little disappointed that we weren't playing with the aliens that's the, totally that's, i just want to like clear that up real quick because i do understand why things are happening i'm with you 100 <laughs> like, and totally. they just make like the alien like the the bad guys be people like plan trying to become immortal by playing with protomolecules we can still have some evil scientists i'm okay with that but like yeah i wish that we were a more unified front facing outward i think as we move into this next book i think naomi's really gonna have like a have her cake and eat it too sort of moment when because remember her original plan was to take over laconia from the inside out right she was like gonna go and like live and try to subvert the laconian government and like become a part of it and then like steer them in the right direction as opposed to bobby who was like nope we gotta take them out and then we can build from the ashes right and i think bobby got her ashes moment and now naomi's gonna get her from the inside moment because she now has Teresa who is clearly boss, just awesome and actually has the power and clout and positioning to be able to kind of change it from the inside. And so I, I kind of hope like, I don't hope that we end in a Teresa dictatorship, but I kind of hope we end in a Teresa. <laughs> well, I wonder about that theory and I wonder about Teresa because I don't think that she is informed enough at this exact point i don't know if there's no a, she's gonna a form a council well yeah i'm kind of curious about like because um i mean she left laconia for in my opinion entirely personal reasons and not necessarily moral ones like it's not like Teresa was looking around at laconia and saying you know i don't think that this empire is necessarily the best way to run things she was saying i really hate it here and i don't like the way i'm being treated and, and I don't her like, life is threatened it's sketchy you know this whole situation totally. is sketchy for me so i'm gonna leave you know what i mean and so i don't really know how big of a part Teresa's gonna play i hope well, I that she's she gonna does. rise to the occasion I, I think she will too i just i'm, I'm excited to see what what that rising of to the occasion is gonna be i just can't she's really on the rossi think. now yeah but like the rossi gets in your mind man they're all i know I, just, they're like I know the the, the um oh, um <laughs> What's the movie with Vin Diesel? Fast, they're like the Fast and the Furious of spacecrafts. You know, they're just like family. Kind of. So I'm definitely changing up the tone by asking this question. Uh, what happened to Philip? Oh. <laughs> Where, oh, I totally like, and not, about it's not Philip. even that I like think we need to see him or anything because he he had a he has a fair bit of closure I sure. suppose. Uh, but like Naomi hasn't mentioned him <laughs> like oh. at all, not one time in the last two books. Uh, so I think weird. that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. he's just same with Detective Miller's also just gone. Though I mean, Philip's like a real there was person, like a reason so. for that. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. Philip like could turn up. I don't know. I just think it's weird. weird that like it hadn't been covered at all that like Philip hadn't made any attempt to contact Naomi. Naomi hadn't made any con attempt to contact Philip. He's just not in the story at all right. anymore. Right. And I was just, I thought that was just kind of strange. Like he's just, all right. That is gone. super weird. Yeah. yeah maybe they he'll turn up in this last one. Him. And he's like, <laughs> now he's like 45, you know? Yeah. 
but he's like yeah, yeah. no i've like sent left a ton of voicemails <laughs> yeah i have no i have no idea that is a little odd you'd think with two authors that they wouldn't allow storylines like that to kind of fall by the wayside with like there being two minds to kind of go back and forth and, and make sure i mean like maybe they just happened. felt like his hey philip had enough closure for the story like you don't need every single storyline to be 100 percent buttoned up. i guess like, he like, flew off where do we even yeah you, i guess he, like, he flew, flew off. off yeah and he's just <laughs> off into the flew off <laughs> i don't know <laughs> he's probably on one of the worlds that got cut off from the rest of the solar system all right so what do you think about duarte's whole situation I was not expecting it not expecting it at all i kind of thought we were going to be in this with duarte till the very end of the last book mm, and i'm yeah. actually kind of stoked that I, I really liked the ending of this book and gave me like a lot of hope for this book that we might kind of get the like might turn be a different thing. That we yeah. wanted, we're not trying you know? to we're not trying to bring Duarte down in the last book. Right. right. Looks, at least it looks like that. Yeah. Right. I hope he doesn't like all of a sudden come alive at the beginning of this next I don't book. Know, he's he like, might, and I'm good. Yeah. And he's not like more I, I hope he, he just keeps before. playing with Legos the whole rest of the book series. He's good. Yeah, I mean I'm kind of half and half on it. So I'm still I'm a little optimistic that the last showdown won't be against Duarte, but also he might come back stronger than before because of his like weird like protomolecule dmt trip that he's going right. on. you know what i mean whatever's going on with him um which he's i think tapped I into was... protomolecule powers and he's like all right now i've leveled up power level nine thousand. i mean i think it's pretty cool that that happened it makes a lot of sense because he's been messing with this technology for so long it kind of would bite you in the ass totally you know, it and it's a, a cool lesson in like hubris right like, yeah, but is he going to learn it? I don't think Duarte. I think Duarte's no. way past learning. Oh, for sure. Which is why like I that. just want him to stay as like playing with Legos, you know, just yeah. like wheel him into the senior center. He's good. He's out of the situation. And yeah, I it gives me a lot of hope for the rest this next book because I don't want it to be a, like you said, rebels versus empire sort of situation at the very end. I want it to be us versus aliens or at least making peace with the aliens or some sort of explore, exploratory, expansive peaceful ending that gives me hope for the future you know what's interesting about the whole duarte situation too to kind of bring it back over there is like <laughs> i kind of giggled to myself when i think it was cortazar was like well we can just kill him and then have the robots bring him back and oh yeah <laughs> and everyone in the room was like i think it was the no. military guy <laughs> i think it was cortazar really like, okay, i'm pretty sure right. I, I could be wrong but i'm pretty i, I don't think trejo um trejo was I, I want to talk about Trejo. I don't think it was because Cortazar is like the mad scientist guy. I know, you know but what I, mean? I think it was. I remember. Um, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I just thought it was. I just giggled to myself because, you know, he he mentions that, and this felt like the whole room was just like, "What the fuck are you what talking about?" Fuck? Like, that's such a bad idea, dude. He's like the the, the supreme ruler of the universe. What? Right, no, we can't, no, like, we can just kill him. Not doing on that. A hope that he gets might. brought back by the weirdo robots. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think that they would. Okay, so I'm, as we're talking about this, my opinion on Duarte is kind of shifting a little bit as I'm thinking more about it in this conversation. And I don't think Corey would set up what's going on with him just, just to kind of like put him in a box where he's just kind of on a continuous drug trip for the rest of the series. I think he's going to come back. I just don't see them doing that. But I think it's going like, to be in a meaningful way where he provides the solution to the answer and kind of sacrifices maybe. himself, you know? That'd be cool. Um, yeah. You know, like you were saying. Interesting yeah, that, that be... he wasn't smart enough because he's like a master strategist, you know, strat he's a master strategist. Maybe. And it's interesting that he wasn't smart enough to realize that by becoming more proto-molecule-y, 
of course his brain is going to be more susceptible to the attacks from this other creature like duh yeah i mean um there's a couple different like him and trejo are they're they're very like narrow focused i feel (laughs) yeah um which is you know, Trejo probably especially. Not. Well, okay, so Trejo is interesting because I think it was Trejo who Elvi was talking to when Trejo, you know, because I mean, I, I liked Trejo as a character a lot. I think, he, I mean, for a supporting character that doesn't really have any POVs or anything like that, I think he's pretty interesting uh, because he's, I mean, he's running around this place just sweating bullets. Like he's so stressed out because he knows that he's like the person that has to kind of take charge here, right? And, you know, he's, he's equipped for, being in a position of power, but not quite this one. Oh, he's a military you know? leader. So not like a diplomatic. But it's interesting that like LV, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was LV. You know, Trejo's just like, I'm trying to win this war. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and LV's just like, I'm pretty sure you could just surrender it and be fine. Like you I think <laughs> right. that's like really your only option at this point. Like if you don't want to fight this war anymore, don't then fight surrender. The war. Like don't do it anymore. But we have this peace. whole other situation to figure out. You can't fight a war against a rebel faction at that is clearly starting to win and an entire unknown like alien entity at the same right. time. And that's what you're trying to do without He's a like, leader. You know, I don't it's, accept your paradigm. You're putting this in a framework that I don't accept. And it was actually brilliant on her part. Like it was a really cool, like, Oh, right. I don't have to be operating inside this box. I can, there are other solutions that exist besides like conquer, not conquer, <laughs> like, which I thought was cool and made the LV character like more, dynamic and like i don't know yeah he was interesting and he was like he was a good side character but he was very much kind of your classic like scientist like i don't know he was very scientist yeah they kind of like throwing that guy around uh, oh man that that trope (laughs) um yeah, because they kind of do that in Cibola Burn too, and Elvie's totally. just like, Elvie's just like, look, we can totally do this peacefully. We just got to set up our own little habitat over here, and then I can't remember the guy's name. The guy that was in charge um, yeah, of freehold. The, like, cor- of freehold. No, not freehold. Um, oh my god, there's so many different names. Uh, Illus, Illus. Uh, oh right, New Terra, um, New Terra. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was just like, no, there's like lithium. This is our territory. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> Elvie, our resources. Yeah, and and Elvie <laughs> kind of did the same thing in book four, where she was just like, oh my god, you are just not thinking about this in a way that's going to benefit <laughs> anybody but yourself, and it's going to get everybody killed. You know, right. like so. Elvie is great. Well, um, I think like rounding her out a little bit more in this book. Uh, I think was a really good call and like having her be a POV except like the parts with those kids. I just, I don't know. I just felt like Elvie was like walking down a lot of hallways in the last few yeah. chapters. Of this. You know what I mean? Like there he was, was walking just a... down a lot of hallways and like having a lot of like bedtime discussions with Freyha, who I really like actually. This Fiaz? is yeah. uh, having a lot of conversations with Fiaz, who I really like and is like a very cool, like decompression person for her to kind of release the pressure valve of her stress and to humanize her a little bit and just like kind of bring her back home i I really liked his character but there was a lot of like her being worried with him in the morning conversations yeah Yeah. but it's you know it's what'd you think of the uh this is very specific and the only reason that i'm bringing this up is because i love the movie the abyss so much but uh i love the abyss it's so good it's so good it's like the most underrated james Cameron movie it really Uh, is but uh there's like that part where they they've they've figured out how to go like way 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 faster than a normal burn but you have to submerge yourself in like this liquid that you can breathe i thought that was awesome it was a really nice touch you know it doesn't we don't have much conversation to have after that but i just thought it was cool yeah that was rad like it almost killed elvia and stuff and it's just i think it's really awesome that uh 
you know, James James Corey continues to do some world building here and there, and they continue to just mm-hmm. kind of showcase how cool everything is, just in little pockets where they don't necessarily need to keep doing it in the eighth book of a nine book series. You know, in Star Trek, we have the warp drive, but we never get like like yeah, they're always pushing it like nine point nine, nine point nine nine. You know, it's like, but they're never a new thing. And like, there's there the I feel like the technology is continuing to advance within this world, which is like really cool and really difficult to do, and kind of like I would guess like exhausting to do because like we have the world already like let's stop changing but like they keep going and it's awesome and it makes the world like breathing and changing and dynamic yeah, and just it, you know? living it's great um okay so i have one question and then i'm, I'm kind of out of questions after this i have um, one question but, too okay cool so do you know what i know that holden kind of like manipulated cortazar and everything but like what what exactly was that i, I kind of missed like what that whole sequence of events okay. was so, okay, I kind of thought this was a little like lame and weird. I think what they're trying to do is like be like mastermind Holden because that's the role he's been playing this whole time. Um, is was able to like convince Cortisol that like he should really be, he's been doing all the work, so he should be like reaping the immortal rewards. And so he okay. should take over and thus he should really kill Teresa and gain it for himself, thus giving him a reason to like tell the other side and kind of create some inner, he was trying to create a fracture in the like ruling base of Duarte, basically about pitting them against each other. I mean, look, I love Holden. Okay. Right. But like, he's not that mastermind. And like so many things would have to work. I mean, I guess it makes sense that like, if you got no other card to play, like play the one that might work, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he like, played he's not gonna... with him like 40 times. He knows how he works. I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's like, I just think it's kind of silly could, that like, both of us can like rock the, Holden at chess. So, so much of the timing of that whole situation was so out of Holden's hands. You know what I mean? Like Teresa just comes along at like the right, exact like right moment and everything. Like Cortazar is like killed at like the right moment. And like, so is know. Amos to have her be kind yeah. of like insecure about the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like picks up his like evacuation thing. And it's just, it's like, okay, okay, well, whatever. It's fine. I just thought it was just right. kind of like, wow, Holden just, you know, dodged another torpedo right there. He didn't even like, know that Fiaz and LV would be coming back so he could have someone to even tell of the other <laughs> side too. Like but, there was just a lot of things that like, worked out really well for him that made him seem like a mastermind when really he was just like a dawdling, like I'm trying to do what I can down here. And it all like really, really, <laughs> it worked, worked beautifully. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I think that I understood while I was reading. I just wanted to like kind of confirm that yeah. that was what was going on. Um, They're so playing what, mastermind. What was your last question? What was Amos going to do with the nuke? I don't know. Uh, Cause he seemed, okay. <laughs> like, so it's all I he think, had it was like a nuke in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he had it. I think it was kind of like um, his like, they Hail had, Mary. They like came across like his notes. Remember, because he was like scouting the place out and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. They had come across a bunch of his notes. I he can't remember spe- with the robots. I can't remember specifically what he had said, but I think he was. I don't think he was really planning on nuking. Was the it just city. his power source? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. I okay. Because I, I remember at one point that he was that. like, "It needs a lot of energy." Talking about his like machines that he had down there because he was doing something yeah. with the robots because those robots are the things that brought him back so like for some reason he was attracting them yeah I, um i'm not really sure i wish I, I wish i could hit like every single point and answer every single question yeah you know, very articulately but yeah just, if you know send us an email please because yeah, i think somebody we explained that there 
this is definitely going to be a reread series for me. Yeah, like in, in yeah, like a 12, five. 15 year from now sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm going to reread the entire thing, and it's going to be Let me know when you really do. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll reread it, it with you. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll still <laughs> be doing the podcast guy. in like 10 years, and we'll just do a reread <laughs> of the expanse. <laughs> That'd be so interesting to do like, see how the episodes differ re-read. yeah and see yeah, how like our dialogue changes yeah. and like that'd be interesting um I, I wanted to point something else out too um i thought it was funny because there's a uh, avasarala says something to the effect of like duarte isn't marcos he's not gonna lose this for you you know what i mean like there's like that quote that she says i can't remember who exactly i think she's oh, talking yeah. to bobby or, i can't remember who exactly she was talking to um but she says something to that effect of like duarte's way smarter he's not just gonna bumble his way to defeat like marcos did um right or marco did but though it's funny because he kind of did <laughs> super did yeah and he like, was like even kind of like, like if someone with some foresight could have thought of like that might happen yeah, it's just funny how that worked out because um, right. even Avasarala is wrong. But it, at the time, when you're reading it, you're like, oh, man, this guy Duarte oh, is such a badass. And he's, he still very well could be, you know, it's just from where we're standing right now. It seems it like, seem like it. It really seems like, you know, Duarte, uh, Trejo, Laconia, Cortazar, like they all just like played themselves, right. you know. And, it's going to be like Rossi versus Alien at the end, at least at him to go. You know, one thing as we wrap up here that I think was really cool to see was Teresa's perspective about the planet that she grew up on, Laconia, and all these weird animals that are like kind of Earth-like but kind of not are like native to her because she grew up there. And I thought it was really cool how like adaptable we are as humans. That like everything was just so yeah. normal to her, even though it was so alien and weird to us. And that kind of gave me some cool like like there's a like a message of hope interwoven in there that like we will let life will find a way, you know? Yeah, and it'll be like life right now you know it'll yeah. be like consciousness right now um i don't know I, th- I think um i'm at a place right now where i th- i have no no real hard predictions about what's gonna and i don't i don't want to i don't want to do a prediction part of this episode i think we're okay. just gonna i think we're just I'm gonna cool end it here because we've got one book left we'll put it out we'll put out the next right. episode I threw out my soon. naomi getting her way solving it from the inside totally i think um for now let's just let it sit let's go read the next one and let's be done with the expanse and I think the next episode, this one might have been a little shorter, but I think the next one's going to be really long. <laughs> really like long. Our, I mean, we're going to. Our, our Dark Tower 7 episode was like two, over two hours long. <laughs> and it's hard to say goodbye at the end, though. Even when we kind of run know, out of things to, to talk about, it's like, well, but we've spent so much time with these characters, these things. There's going to be some sadness. We're going to we're gonna have to probably get some, get some booze, get a little boozed up for that exit, I think. Got a little bourbon here. Yeah, exactly. Well, everybody, that's going to do it for us today here on Book Reviews Kill that ends us recapping and discussing Tiamat's Wrath, book eight in The Expanse by James S. It has been a ride. Wow, it's been a ride. Um, but yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for sticking with us for this long, for this it's series. It's a long one. It took us a while to read these. Yeah, I was getting, like, after Babylon's Ashes, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, oh my God, we still have like four of these things, you know? Like, I've been experiencing yeah, some fatigue these for sure. Um, but yeah, we are going to head into Faithful in the Fall, and as soon as we're finished up with The Expanse, and we're very excited about that, but I am not quite ready to say goodbye to these characters yet, so you're going to have to tune in for our next episode, which will cover the final book in the series, Leviathan Falls. And until then, everybody, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day, and of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody. Bye.